Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at one 800 364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com Ike Eisenhower State Farm Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998 Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. Here with Mr. Tyler Tapp today. Dennis here. And Tyler, tell me about yourself in Hot Springs, how you got here, what you do, and all that fun stuff. Well, I was actually born here in Hot Springs. I was born over at the Washita Hospital and um, grew up here, graduated back when, from... Back when we had a Washita Hospital. Back when years we had ago. a Washita Hospital. Yeah, that was <laughs> many a moon ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, graduated from Lakeside, and uh, I'm the son of Charles and Betty Tapp. Hmm. Okay. Now, I had seen that you had some military service, too. Is that what you had done? I did. After I got out of high school, I didn't really know what to do with my life. So I joined the Army Reserves. So um, after my Army training, it kind of gave me motivation to do it. But I ended up serving um, six years in the reserves and then two years in what's called IRR, which is inactive ready reserves, which hmm. is we're going to call you before the draft. But that's it. No. But, yeah, no, the, the Army kind of made me who I am. It kind of gave me focus in life. I heard somebody say one time that a lot of people dread military service or don't like it. And another guy said, no, you have discipline on one shoulder and you have achievement on the other and they don't come without the pair. And I thought, hmm, that's well put. That's well put. So well, so it, tell me, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna, What it does is it just gives you focus. You know, most of the time we live our lives for us. Mm-hmm. And then. By joining the military, you realize it's not about me. It's about everyone else. And just that change kind of gives you a little bit of focus in life. At least it did with me. Mm-hmm. And it kind of really helped direct my life. In in the words of Mr. Zieg Ziegler, selfishness is the one disease that makes everybody around you sick except for the person that has it. True. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I can see that. I, I, that's a great idea. Now, now we're running for, for a, a judge position. And actually, we're recording this February the 20th. So early voting starts today. You could actually vote as soon as this comes out. But tell me more. What what, what makes you uh, I mean, you're you're in private study, private practice right now. Right. Have you been a judge before? What? Why do you want to do this? I, I've sat a special judge. I sat a special judge for uh, Ralph Ohm on more times than I can count and for David Schweitzer as well. Mm. I've, I've practiced law here in, in Garland County for the last 25 years. But in it, what I've done is it's really been my office is headquartered in Garland County, but I've gone all over the state. I've actually practiced in over 50 counties. Really? So I've seen how good judges do it. I've seen how bad judges do it. And, you know, you, you kind of get the opportunity to see what works and what doesn't. And honestly, the reason I want to run and I want to be in this position is to change people's lives. You know, people come to district court and it's more like entry level felonies. So when they come in, it's it's shoplifting, it's DWIs, it's um, small amount of marijuana possession, things like that. Mm-hmm. And these are the opportunities we have to change people's lives, because what we can do is we can try to figure out what's going on with that person and get to it. Mm. Now, the district judge probably is also tasked more than anything else with the safety of our community. Mm. So those people who, you know, don't want to learn, don't want to change, that's why we have jails. We need to kind of focus. We need to get away from the minimum sentences. And we need to get the dangerous people put away And, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, which benefits the courts, because most court proceedings are the same people day in and day out. And if we can get rid of these repeat offenders, get them to know that, hey, this isn't the place to commit crimes, Mm -hmm. that's how you change their life. That's how you make the, the community safer. Well, you know, it seems to me what I'm hearing you say, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth if I'm right, then expound. If I'm wrong, correct me, please. But it sounds like, you know, the last time I want to enter the courtroom is never, basically, right? So you, you talk about what a good judge is like and what a bad judge is like. How would I know? I, I, the one time I see you is, you know, one time. So it sounds like when somebody comes with a minor felony, it is a it's a it's a pivotal period. It could be transformational. It could be your opportunity to help somebody say, okay, you do not want to go down this path, right? Well, and I, I do agree with that. I think a lot of it is we get opportunities to talk to people. Most people just want to be heard. Most people mm-hmm. just want to know I matter. Somebody cares about me. And if they can see it through the courts that somebody cares, somebody wants them to change. You know, we we had a, a fantastic judge here in town, Ralph Ohm, who was mm-hmm. m- most of my career was a district judge. And I saw him do this. He would get in, he would interact, he would talk to people. You could tell, everyone in the courtroom could tell that he cared. Hmm. And simply by caring and saying that, you know, this person matters. Even though they're charged with a crime, they matter. It tends to get their attention. Hmm. And under Judge Ohm, we saw lots of people change their lives and, you know, go on to do fantastic things. And I just kind of want to carry on that tradition. You know, we, we've we got other areas like uh, Arkadelphia. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Arkadelphia per capita has a crime rate that's a fraction of ours. And they have two really? universities. Oh, but yeah. what happens is the people in Clark County know the judge and prosecutors, they're serious. They're mm. going to punish people who do this stuff. So don't. And we want people to know Hot Springs is not the place to commit a crime. We don't want them to commit a crime anywhere, but especially just don't do it here. I actually, I don't know if I've shared this or not. I'm a licensed video engineer for the state of Arkansas. So I do security surveillance, that kind of thing. And uh, I was in a a video, a, a, a liquor store that shall remain nameless down in West Little Rock. And uh, the guy had asked me to come in and look for cameras and whatever. And, and I, I literally came in and looked around and he said, yeah, we're having a lot of stuff stolen here. And I said, have you thought about just fixing the light so that this is well lit and illuminated? Right. Oh, oh, oh. he said, well, we've just had some theft and it gets worse. And I said, I know if you don't know this, criminals talk to each other. They share every little thing they know. And and just like you're talking about, hey, hey, Arkadelphia is not a good place to do this. We need to have that word on the street that Hot Springs is not a good place to do this, right? Exactly. If they know that Hot Springs, you're going to get punished, mm-hmm. the judge is serious, it's going to change a lot of their minds. And, you know, let's let them relocate. If they well, want to I commit a crime, let them go somewhere else. I hear two sides of this story, Tyler. I, I hear you saying, you know, we have we have people that when you enter the system that need to be heard and and can be reformed. But if if not, here's how we're going to play this, right? Exactly, and and that's the way it should be because you know everybody makes mistakes. Sure. I mean, when I was six, when I was actually fifteen, I got arrested. Or I was doing I something can. horrible. I was mailbox bashing. Oh, which happened to be a federal offense, right? Well, what happened after I got caught, I was up, you know, at the break of dawn the next day, fixing mailboxes, going to everyone's house and apologizing. You know, my parents kind of basically taught me that you don't do stuff like that. And and that was what needed to be taught. Yeah, right. Which is what you need to be taught. And at at 15, I was young and dumb and, you know, should have known better, but didn't. Mm -hmm. But I got involved with the courts and and I learned that. Within six months, you knew better. Very well better. Within 48 hours, I knew better. (laughs) There was no six months to it. Now, Mm -hmm. I, I got punished for a long period of time and I had to think about it for a long time. But my parents, you know, their punishment was swift and direct and calculated to change my behavior. And, you know, and that's that's a lot of what being a judge is, is yeah. kind of a parent for the entire city, the entire hmm. county. Because as a parent, when when your kids make a mistake, you want to go in, you want to educate them and you want to give them the resources necessary to not do it again. Right. As a judge, hey. when someone makes a mistake. You want to go in, you want to educate them, you want to punish them and teach them the resources not to do it again. But and I can know. see I can see exactly where the, the parallels there. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that there are poor parents out there that, that may not have, have corrected them like you corrected like your parents did. But at the same time, if, if that happens, then they end up in the court system and somebody has to, right? 
exactly. We, we've got our schools that do a lot of it. And I served on Lakeside School Board for 10 years. Wow. Where, you know, you have a lot of parents that just lack of opportunity, mm-hmm. lack of time, just aren't able to parent the way I was parented, the way I was able to parent my daughter. And the courts are kind of an extension of that because after they're grown, who else is there to to look at them, to give them the discipline if they don't have it except the courts? Yeah, exactly. So, and we've got your page pulled up here. It's it's uh, tap for judge. And so, whereas you've never been elected to a position for judge before, you have served as a judge, basically filling in for others. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm actually the only candidate that's ever done any um, trials in district court or presided over a district court at all. And you know, it's it's the way you do it is you go in and, you know, let's say Judge Ohm had a a prior conflict and he couldn't do it. Well, rather than canceling court, he would call me or one of another couple of attorneys. And we would go in and we would sit and we would handle his docket and we would go through everything and preside the same way he would. So it's kind of like an apprenticeship. Yeah. Where I went in and I was taught how to do it. You know, it's it's funny to me. I uh, um, uh, and, and we need more apprenticeships. That's for sure. I actually had a a veterinarian in Little Rock, and great guy, great guy. And I said, but he, he didn't use computers. And this, we're talking ten years ago. He didn't use computers. Didn't didn't wasn't in the digital age. And I said, you know, how did you how did you start in vet school? What was your path? How did you do this? He said, I told my parents I wanted to be a vet. I thought, and he said we we had a, a large animal veterinarian that would come out and work with us. And uh, I, I walked out to him one day and I said, I'd, I'd like to be a vet. You know, I, I think I want to train this way. He said, What should I do? He said, To pick up that bag, son. He said, well, it's heavy. It's got, and it had saws and, you know, big animal veterinarian. Right. And he, he picked up the bag and he said he carried that bag literally for the next four years through high school. And he said when he went to, to veterinarian college, he aced every question every time. They were literally like, why are you here? And he's like, well, because I have to get the degree on the wall. Right. Enough apprenticeship, which our nation desperately needs. It really helps grow the, the staff, right? Right. No, it, it does. What it does is it gives people the necessary resources to first figure out, is this what you really want to do? Because, you know, especially things like district court, it is a different beast. Mm. You know, circuit court may have a docket one day of 30. District court's docket is 300. Wow. Really? I mean, it's it's different. It's how do you work through that? Circuit court, everything is talking to, to lawyers. District courts, for the most part, it's just talking to the defendant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I, talking to these people. And and again, the apprenticeship, when you can go in and you can see it and you can know this is what it's really like. You know, it's not what it's like on TV, but this is what it's like in the real world. Yeah. I mean, that it makes all the difference. What did you see when you, you first filled in? Do you recall when you first uh, were, were asked to, to fill in? Did you say, because, you know, you were literally on the other side of the bench. You had been on mm-hmm. this side of the bench, and, and you're going on the other side of the bench. Did you literally go to the other side and say, I love this, or I don't know, we'll see? I, I, 
day one, it was probably, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah. But then as I did it more and more and more, and you could just, you could see the faces Mm -hmm. and see when people had changed, see when issues got Mm. resolved. That's when it kind of grew on me because, you know, to me, we're all here to change the world. And, you know, we need to do it kind of, we do it first by changing ourselves and then by helping others change. Yeah. And district court is the, to me, one of the best places on the planet to do that. You know, you've got ministry and then you've got district court. (laughs) I think you're exactly correct. It's funny you should say that. The next point where I was going was, when I was in Little Rock, I actually was leading the the uh, uh, the music part of Celebrate Recovery. Mm-hmm. And about the time I would get outside the door and they would start their stories, which were unbelievable sometimes, uh, right. I realized the vast majority of people, most people don't have a clue what Celebrate Recovery is. They don't have an idea of what Teen Challenge is. They don't, they don't know what these groups are. Uh, aside from the district judge, just for a second, Tyler, will you address some of those options and, and what that does for people? Well, I mean, things like Celebrate Recovery, first, Celebrate Recovery, as you know, is a a faith-based AA program. I don't know of an easier way to put it than that. Mm -hmm. That's that's it. And and, and any kind of meds or drugs or or, uh, AA, yeah. So where um, AA has its difficulty is not being based in a higher power or something to believe in. And when you're given that higher power, that's something Mm -hmm. that, the world is not about you. It's about someone else. It's about something else. And when you get that, then it, it just, it puts your whole life into perspective. So mm-hmm. through Celebrate Recovery, you take the same tools. It's it's the same program. It's just a different emphasis. And you take those tools and you grow and you build. That's why Celebrate Recovery's statistics are, are so much better. And, now, and it's it's nationwide. Most people don't know. Yeah. Team Team Challenge is again a fantastic program. But again, it runs off the same principles that there's a higher calling. There's something more than me. I mean, I think when when people believe it's just them, mm-hmm. it, it's tough to motivate people. But when people think that, hey, there's something more to it, there's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I matter, why my actions matter. And the more they can learn that, I think the more they have the opportunity to change themselves. Well, where I'm going with this, because I'm doing the five-mile high view, not just the, the mile high that you and I have. As a judge, you have the the leeway to assign someone to a program like that. Is that correct? Some things, yes, some things, no. But what we can mm. do is we can give them opportunities to fix themselves. Huh. What, what I've learned through my career is the more times people change and fix themselves, the, the better their criminal case turns out. They stay I, mean, I, I remember I had a client, um, this was probably seven or eight years ago. Again, everything seven or eight, I feel like at my age. And um, significant alcoholic, severe alcoholic, and had gotten involved in a, um, well, what he was hoping to do was police-assisted suicide. Oh, mercy. 
he was shooting into the air, trying to get the police to shoot him. And our, our police, you know, they're fantastic. And they did exactly as they were trained. They were able to take him into custody. And he had criminal charges from that. Now, he came to see me. What I did was I got him involved in a long-term faith-based program. And through that faith-based program, he was able to turn himself around. Hmm. See, we had the, the criminal case holding over his head, but I knew, you know, just the criminal case doesn't fix it. You know, if, if you just say, hey, go to jail, all that does is get them off the streets so we don't have to deal with them for a period of time. For a period of time is the word, right? Right, for a period of time. But once they get out, it's only going to make the situation worse. So if we can fix the underlying problem, like, you know, my client did, he was able to go through this program and through this program, that was seven years ago. He hadn't had a drink since. Really? He's been able to rebuild his life and just everything changed from, you know, please, please kill me. My life is over to I can really benefit the world. And there are lots and lots of people out there with similar stories. They've gone through this. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was going to say, let's go down the flow chart. And, and I, I, I love the story. So you meet people at a point of delineation, right, left, right? They yes. go right. The, the, to assigning him to a, a faith-based organization didn't cost the taxpayers hardly anything, I'm assuming. Court costs time, that kind of thing. Right. If this person had had continued down the incarceration path, or you had simply brought down the gavel and said, you're guilty, go to jail. We're talking possibly hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars of taxpayers' dollars to to ruin a soul, if you get my point. Right. For, for no benefit to society other than to get them off the street. Ultimately, what we care about, what should matter most as judge, is what can I do to make the community safer? And I mean, you get people with, I, I have a client right now, she's got some significant mental health issues. And, and what we did was we came in, we focused, we got her into mental health treatment. She had her child taken away by DHS. She has her child back. And her life is fantastic. You know, if we had just sent her to jail, I mean, it would have not done anything. It would have had no permanent benefit because they're not going to fix mental health issues in jail. They just hold Mm-mm. them. Mm-hmm. And especially with well, and, and, and and the follow on from that, the children that are affected, the the families that are affected, the the lives of of dozens of frankly innocents, right? Right. Oh, there there's always the ripple effect because it's very rare that someone comes into my office alone. It's usually they're with friends and family and all of these people who love them. But to me, if if you can find out what someone loves and use that as their motivation, then that's one of the best and easiest ways to get someone to focus on changing their life. In the words of Mr. Les Brown, and the clock has caught us, Tyler, I really appreciate your time. But in the words of Mr. Les Brown, life is a do-it-yourself project. 
It is. But fair enough. It, it very much. So Tyler, we can start voting today, February the twentieth, and and the voting goes through March the eighth. Is that correct? March the fifth. March the fifth. My mistake. My mistake. Two weeks from uh, today. Every day. So we can day. look at we can look and see where all the voting locations are. Uh, Correct. And like There's say, seven early voting in Garland uh-huh. County. You've got um, the Election Commission, the Mall, Royal Baptist Church, the Library, Fountain Lake uh, Fire Department, and again, I know there's a couple others yeah. out there. And it just hit me. Uh, uh, I think there's a. Uh, I think you can do a search on voting locations, polling locations, Garland County, and and find what you want to. Right. Yeah. The Election Commission has all of it. All seven for the early voting, and seventeen for Election Day, March fifth. Really, really. And and I, I can't say it strongly enough. And I wish our nation would learn this. Vote. Just vote, people. Just vote. I, I don't care if you're on my side, if you're on I, – I don't care. Just vote. The the pub, the public's will and the public intent is never completed, right or wrong, unless we vote, right? You know, my, my parents always raise me, you can't complain unless you vote. <laughs> so let me get this straight. If, if after the election you didn't vote, I don't want to hear from somebody, is that what I should say? That's I, – I think that's the way it should be. You know, I how do you complain so. about the way the world is unless you're out there trying to change it? Well, and one of my quote, my, my mantras is, well, you know, I, somebody else already offset my vote. No, they didn't. Your vote is your vote. It's not offset by anyone else's. It's your vote or it's not. What I'll say is when I ran for school board the first time I was contested and I won by 12 votes. 12. 12. Your vote you could counts. fit that number of you could put those people in your that room you're in, right? Absolutely. That close. That close. That close. Well, Tyler, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, and we wish you the very best, okay? Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.